Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. We're on season five, episode twenty, and as always, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and West Brom correspondent Joe Massey. Joe. I've been mulling over the rundown of this episode for the last few days, trying to spark some positivity into it. But um, it's safe to say I've probably struggled a little bit after Saturday. It's been a, it's been a tough week, hasn't it? How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Um, I was down after after the game of the weekend. I was down after QPR. You commented on how down I was, didn't you, on the way? Anyways. I was concerned about you, mate. Sitting in uh, Beaconsfield Services. <laughs> Joe Massey looked like a broken man. He did look a little bit happier after we'd had a McDonald's. To be fair, I was just he, sort of staring into space. But mate, were. we're gonna, we're gonna. It's gonna be a positive podcast. We're gonna turn it around. That's what we do. We're not uh, doom and gloom merchants on this podcast. I'll um, start with a massive positive. We're actually recording a podcast today because Mr. Luke Hatfield, formerly of your job, formerly of this parish, on annual leave again. Shock horror! <laughs> missed the game, didn't he at QPR? <laughs> No, no one will be surprised at that. A few of the Albion media team were. They couldn't believe it already that Luke Hatfield's on annual leave. I could believe it. I could believe I know. it. But... I know. I, I, when you find out in the press room at Loftus Road on Saturday, your eyes lit up. As if oh, mate. Say, That's going like, to give me 30 seconds of content on Tuesday. I felt like giving hammer. you a hug because I knew you were there. You'll always be there. We'll always <laughs> do our podcast. No problem. So those days I don't have to worry about anymore. That's officially <laughs> a, Luke Hatfield's annual leave is officially West Bromwich Albion's problem. <laughs> So yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. We're all good. We're here. We're recording. We're looking up. Two big, massive games coming up. Um, fingers crossed we get six points from me. That's how, Fing- I'm, that's how I'm feeling today. Fingers crossed. As we said, it was a sombre mood, but um, as we as we always try and do, we'll try and uh, inject some positivity in today. It's an action-packed pod, as always. Uh, we've got loads to go through. We're going to decide, dissect QPR um, as much as we probably don't want to. Um, certainly the result anyway we'll look through that and pick the bones out of that one we'll look ahead to Peter Braun Saturday which is an even bigger game now um, we'll check in on any transfer news um, and we'll we'll get some reaction to Joe who had a, a little bit of a, a trip down the road um, to the new Bucks head to watch the Baggies against Villa the under 23s ding dong derby on, on Tuesday <laughs> evening um, but we'll uh, we'll touch on that one later I think you can we can always judge the mood from the podcast questions a lot of the time and we can certainly judge it from the reaction to QPR on Saturday, although, you know, I spoke to three fans outside who did try and inject a little bit of positivity into into what they they just seen. But you know, as we said, that the run at the moment is wretched. QPR, we built it up, didn't we, Joe, to be a, a huge, huge game for Albion. They fell on the wrong side of the results. There wasn't an awful lot in it, but you know, at the end of the day, they've lost again on the road. The, the away form is poor. The, the the form at the moment is poor. Um, do you feel the pressure's building a little bit on, on Val and, and going into into Saturday? It is huge, isn't it? Because by quarter to five, if things don't go the right way, we could potentially be out of the playoffs, which was unimaginable a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, look, where do we start with QPR? Look, let's, first and foremost, it was a massive game. Um, I mean, we basically spent two weeks building it up, didn't we, on this pod, because I gave the Brighton game very, very short shrift um, in the lead-up to that game. Look, there's two things Valerian Ishmael has to do. Simple as that. Two things he has to do. The first one is the blatantly obvious one. Is he, has, he has to... Results have to improve. Results, results are dreadful. At the last 10 games, it's two, it's two, it was two wins in the, last, in the last 11 games. That's not good enough. Um, it's nowhere near good enough. It's, I mean, look, it wouldn't be good enough if, if we were Derby County. It's certainly not good enough 
Um, for a side chase wannabe who's got ambitions to win all of my promotions. So the, the form just isn't good enough. It, it's, it's, it's a dreadful run. Valerian Ishmael has admitted that. He's, he said after the game that they're in, a very, they're in a difficult place at the moment. They need a lift. There's no doubt about it. They need a massive, massive lift. The other thing Ishmael has to do, in my opinion, which I think will come, we spoke about it last week, is it'll come quite naturally, is, is, is the games just have to become more entertaining. Albion have to start creating more chances. They have to start scoring more goals. It all goes hand in hand, really. If Albion are going to win more games, they've got to create more chances. They've got to score more goals. It's going to become more entertaining. But they're, they're the two areas that are really frustrating. Look, Larry Ishmael is not, is not a tick-attacker manager. He's not Pep Guardiola. He doesn't, he doesn't play football in that way. So when, when things are going against you, when you're not getting results, criticism comes your way. Um, you look at someone like Russell Martin at Swansea, for example... He's almost, he's almost like the exact opposite of Val, if you like. He's very, very, very possession-based, wants to pass the ball at every single opportunity. Managers like that get more time. Because um, in terms of like fan opinion, in terms of fan pressure, because it is, it is pleased on the eye. They can sort of relate to what they're trying to do. They can see they want their team to play that way. Um, the bizarre one, and we are, we, are keep, we are going to try and keep this positive because that's, that's just who we are. It's what we want to do. Um, I thought QPR was a very entertaining game of football um, in one sense. I mean, look, it was a strange one because I said to Steve Madeley, I think I might have said it to you in the game, I don't know if I've ever watched a game of football where there were so few clear-cut chances, but it was as entertaining. It was a decent game of football. It was very, very watchable. There's a times this season when Albion's games have not they've been boring to watch. Um, we're not hiding from that fact. There's been some real sort of slogs if you like particularly at the Hawthorns I'd say where teams have sort of sat back um, and just dug in put 10-11 men behind the ball Albion have tried to break them down they might have done it they might have done it they might not have done it but it's been it's been, it's been a real sort of slog um, QPR wasn't that game um, it just wasn't the first 30 minutes I thought Albion played really well the sort of the entire 30 minutes were played in QPR's half um, they really pushed them back, forced QPR back in a way that was similar to the start of the season, really, where Albion really squeezed teams. Um, and they looked good. They, but as good as they looked, they only created one clear-cut chance. And that was, um, I think it was Carlin Grant sent in a low cross, which Matt Phillips um, sort of tried to get on the end of, sort of stretched to get on the end of, but didn't. Now, I got... I st- so much to say just about that chance. If you watch that chance again, there's a little second where Matt Phillips just checks his run. There's a little bit of hesitancy to his run where he doesn't quite. He could he could make that he could make that ball. I'm not hammering Matt Phillips for it because I don't personally I don't think he's a central striker. But I got a feeling that if it was Daryl DK on the end of that chance and not Matt Phillips, I think that would have been one nil. Um, but for all Albion's good play, that is all they created in that half an hour. Um, but it was entertaining to watch. It was entertaining to watch them sort of push, push QPR back and, and force them. Like it was, it was, it was a decent watch. QPR came into it. They sort of in that thirty minute spell. Sorry, when Albion were on top, there were so many times when they were one ball away, one ball away from like getting in. They were just. It, it was all about that final, that final pass. It just, it just wasn't there. Um, and all, all three forwards were sort of guilty of that. Phillips held the ball up well at times, but Robinson, him, and Grant, they just. That final pass was just lacking. Alvin just didn't capitalise on what was an overall good 30 minutes at all. QPR came into it for the last 15 in the first half. 
they were they sort of grew in stature. Second, the first fifteen minutes of the second half, they battered us. Um, they absolutely battered us. Short, I mean, wasn't it? it was it was it was just an absolute. They, they, it was just countless balls into the box. Um, they only really ever had efforts from distance um, that were never going to beat David Button really. Um, but but it felt very much like a goal was coming for QPR in that fifteen minutes. That was until um, Ishmael brought on Daryl DK. Um, and he again completely shifted the momentum. Um, I think for probably for like ten minutes after DK came on, the momentum was with Albion, and then for the following twenty minutes, it was just with both teams. Really, it was just end to end like a basketball match. And look, people are going to look for excuses. People are going to look, but there was an absolutely crazy two minutes. Um, where Connor Townsend has gone down in the box, it's a penalty. Remarkably. It's, in the 87th minute that was, look, what's the difference between the 87th minute and a 94th minute penalty? Who knows? But Conor Townsend should have had one against Cardiff as well. These are last-minute penalty decisions. Um, and he didn't, again, he didn't get it. And then, look, lo and behold, goes at the other end. Charlie Austin scores. He's offside, um, believe it or not. And you just think... The luck, the luck, the luck is out at the minute. Now you can argue maybe the luck's out because Val isn't changing formation because Val's being too stubborn. They're they're very valid points. Um, they really are valid points, but there is. It's very conceivable that Albion get those two penalties the last two games and they win both of those games. They haven't gone for them. It's hugely frustrating. And the the reaction from that that game isn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. A, the reaction from the QPR game shouldn't be about the brand of football because the, the 90 minutes are entertaining. It can't massively be about the result because it was a 50-50 game where Albion just narrowly fell on the wrong side of it. I said afterwards, I think, if that game finishes 1-0 to QPR, no one can complain. If that game finishes 1-0 to Albion, nobody can complain. It's just Albion didn't get the penalty and QPR got an offside goal. Um, that that they are the margins we're talking about. What the frustration comes from, what the frustration should come from, is that it is two wins in ten in the championship. It's two wins in eleven overall. It's not. It's not that the home. It's not that the home form we're unbeaten at home. Like we we cling to that, but it's not just the away form. Like the, the form isn't good enough. Um, whether we're unbeaten at home or not, the form isn't good enough. There's been too many draws at home. Just two wins in ten championship games is just nowhere near good enough. So. That should be where the frustration comes from. Um, but there were some signs that QPR things can turn. And I would say the beauty of football is that as much as there is anger towards Val and as much as there was a lot of people who believe Valerian Ishmael should be sort of relieved of his duties, I don't know how much... I don't, the beauty of football is things can change very, very quickly. Um, and if you string a couple of wins together... The, every, the mood completely changes and I think that's where the, that's the position we're in with our I don't think I don't sometimes you absolutely know when a manager has to go for example earlier this season at Cardiff Mick McCarthy had to go um, we're not there at all with Al I don't think I think he just needs he needs a run of results he needs he's got three very winnable games coming up hopefully Albion win all three of them and I think everyone will be back on board then. Hopefully everyone can be sort of looking at the table and looking forward because there's no doubt at this moment in time everyone's very, very anxious and looking over their shoulder. Yeah. And you mentioned there about 
I think I, you know, I referenced this with someone the other day. We spoke there about chances and a lack of clear-cut chances in that game, you know. And the, the talk of DK coming in has been building, hasn't it, now for a month or two, you know, up until it's an, uh, the announcement. And prior to that, Albion were, I wasn't concerned as a fan because Albion were creating chances. They just didn't have anyone to put them away. And now you've got DK, you have got someone. But then in the last couple of games, the clear-cut chances have all, almost become a little bit of a been a premium really you know certainly at QPR that you know and people have referenced it in the questions today that's a little bit of a worry isn't it that Albion aren't creating as much as they probably were you know a few weeks ago yeah yeah, absolutely I think all all Albion's problems stem in the final third and and they have done for a very very long time we are rock solid defensively no one can say otherwise um it's all about the final pass, final ball, and and the finish. Really, I don't. I don't think Valerian Ishmael has seen what he wants from his four players at all this season. Really, I don't. I don't think they've been able to to, to do what is asked of them. I think they're struggling. I think they're all struggling. If I'm honest, Matt Phillips is is doing okay, but Carlin Carlin looks Carlin looks bright and like he's trying in games and he's, he's trying to force the issue, but his goals have dried up a little bit. Carlin Robinson looks miserable. Um, he just he's just moping around the pitch, constantly moaning at his teammates, constantly complaining about things where that isn't him. There's something about Callum Robinson. I don't know what it is. I mean, everyone can see he's sort of a cheeky chappy, sort of a Jack the Lad. He's like, a, we always said, like, he's someone you, you want to know, really. He's someone you, you, you want to be mates with, you want to go for a drink with. Like, he just seems like, he just seems fun. There's something about Callum Robinson that seems fun. He doesn't seem fun at the minute. He, he's just... Copped a lot of flack, didn't he, as well, after um, the performance. I think he, he got a... A few pelters from sections of the supporters, by all accounts. Yeah, we well, he backed out of the fifty-fifty challenge. Really, he backed out of a challenge for in the build-up to QPR's goal, which is another big moment. Um, and it feels like everyone needs a lift. It feels like Daryl DK can bring that lift. I thought his thirty minutes were hugely impressive um, at QPR. He is the he, he was the one big positive from that game. I mean, his first basically the first thing he did was a ball was pinged into him. His first touch was excellent. He held off the defender, spun. And put the ball in the channel for I think it was I don't know if it was Colin if it was probably Colin Grant to chase, and you're just like wow we have we have not had that all season, um, that sort of hold up play that sort of link up play has just been missing. It's been missing completely, and the fact that he can finish, um, he's a goal scorer like his his record at Barnsley his record in the MLS proves that. So he, I mean he just looks an absolutely fantastic signing. I mean, you have a picture in your mind about someone. And he's he was he was he was he was different because like if you look at someone like Carlin Grant or Carlin, they're, they're like he's a strong physical lad like Carlin Grant he's tall he's strong he's athletic DK's different level to him I mean he's he I mean he's he's built like a sprinter he's just so powerful um, and he's rapid he's so fast um, so. His touch is good. He looks like he's. I mean, he really looks whole package. I mean, we're basing that on thirty minutes of um, at QPR on on Saturday, but he's going to make an absolutely massive difference. This team, I think, absolutely everyone is just crying out for a massive lift. You get, you are lifted when you win games. Albion have got to win on Saturday. They've got to win. Like, there's no excuse for not winning on Saturday. Peterborough are a poor side. They're probably a League One side. And everything in football changes. Football's a confidence game. 
and everything changes when you can just string a couple of wins together and build that confidence. It should have it needed to start at QPR, it didn't. It has to start at Peter, against Peterborough now. Um, and I think if we can get a win against Peterborough, take that into the Preston game, put two wins together, which is what I mean, that shouldn't be a problem really. Like at this level, Albion should be able to string a couple of wins together. I think then everyone will hopefully um, calm down with sort of the valve stuff and things will start moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. And we'll come on to a lot of it in the questions later. But I think you can see it from both sides, can't you? You know, you can understand why fans are frustrated. You know, the expectation of West Brom in the Championship is that they, you know, they certainly flirt around the top two. If not, they're in the top two when they're in this division. Um, it hasn't gone that way this season. Things have started to tail off. Uh, but on the flip side of it, you know, whether you whether you are Val in or Val out, like the fans keep saying, you know, I spoke to fans on Saturday who were who were touching on that on that topic. You know, Ishmael come out after and said he was he hasn't been able to pick his own his best side for quite a few weeks, and you could you know you can argue that's down to the philosophy because they're getting too many players sent off and players are out, etc. But that is the case. Um, and I think there is a balance to strike there, isn't there? You know, there are two sides to this argument where, you know, I'm pretty confident when he gets his full side back with a DK striker up front that Albion can be a force again. Uh, but like you said at the moment, it's just a case of getting some results together and getting some goals together as well, isn't it? Just to just to lift the place. Yeah, I think it's the creativity is the issue. So, like, you can't, you can't, what you can't, we'll come back to this defensive now and this defensive discipline and how well organised Albion are. They've conceded in the 89th minute at QPR, an offside goal. It's one goal. Um, you look at the Reading game when they played Adam Reach and Jake Livermore in the back three. At QPR, they're playing Darnell Furlong, Connor Townsend in the back three. There was one centre-back at QPR. Similar situation against Reading. In, even with those players missing, even with position centre-back issues, Albion still look rock-solid. They still... Like, they've conceded one goal against... Like, it's just in those games where they've been missing all those centre-backs and it came in the last minute and it was offside. You cannot knock how strong they are defensively. All the problems are going forward. So, and they're the issues that have got to be resolved. At the start of this season, Connor Townsend and Darnell Furlong were so effective. They were bombing forward, bombing forward, bombing forward. They were really, really high up the pitch. They looked dangerous. Connor Townsend looked dangerous with his delivery. Darnell Furlong was dangerous from set pieces, particularly long throws. Both those two areas of threat have dried up. They just they've just dried up. Something so something's got to change there. And there needs to be they need to find a way to get those two players to be more effective again. My big issue with QPR game, and this is my big and this ties into what you were saying because like, look, don't get me wrong. I want Carl Bartley back. I want Shamir Jai back from the African Cup of Nations. I cannot wait to see Dar Roche play. I want Cedric Kipra back. I don't want to go into games with one centre back like. I do want these players back, and I think it's absolutely huge. I do want Sam Johnston back. But the one player for me we are absolutely really missing, and I mean really missing for me, is Alex Mower. Now, Jason Malumbi had a stinker at QPR. He had an absolute shocker. But I genuinely think he's a good player. I like him. What I like about him is his energy. I think he's tenacious. I think he can get high up the pitch. I think he's aggressive. But for me, he is a ball-winning midfielder. He is, and he should be in this squad. He should be under understudy to Jake Livermore. It should be one or the other. Livermore should play, or Malumbi should play. They can't play together. They can't play together. And I, I, and I, before the like, before the game, 
when I was talking about my predicted team threat, I had I, I had Dana Furlong at right wing back, and I had Taylor Gunn Hickman in central midfield with Livermore. Um, and the reason why I did that was was for the creativity, because if you're playing this three four three formation, look, you know what you need from your central midfielders. The fundamentals are they've got to be able to cover a lot of ground because they're going to be outnumbered most weeks probably. Unless the team's playing the same formation for you, most teams have three in the middle of the park. They've got to be able to cover a lot of ground, they've got to have a lot of energy, they've got to be tenacious, they've got to be able to win the ball high. They're the, they're the basics, but a very it, it, one of them has to be slightly more defensive-minded and one of them has to be slightly more attacking-minded. And with Livermore and Moa, you've got that. Moa is better on the ball, he's more incisive with his passing, he carries more of a threat, he's a real threat from distance. Malumbi just isn't, isn't that. So to have Livermore and and Malumbi together was just it just it just massively massively lacked creativity in that midfield. When you think that the wing backs, because the wing backs offered nothing either, really. Taylor Garner Hintman's I thought it was Taylor Garner Hintman was probably our best player on the ball in terms of his passing, but he struggled defensively at QPR. Adam Reach, I mean, I really like Adam Reach. Um, he was poor, wasn't he? When you interview him, he's like. He's like a prefect at school. He's like he's like really like star pupil. Imagine he was like star pupil at school. He's like so he talks really well. Well turned out. He's well turned out and he talks well and he's like intelligent and he's like he like he's I really like him. Um and he gives you he gives you a shift, he gives you discipline, but his his final ball at QPR wasn't there at all. His his quality deserted him that day. So that that midfield was so like I mean I think if we say if we call them industrious we're being really kind like that's probably the kindest we can be, um, just massively massively lacked creativity and that's probably why Albion only did create one chance in that thirty minutes when they were on top. Does that does that not you know moving on from this section at the minute we're going to be talking about you know potential as we as we're in January we're just going to touch on it even though it's been quite quiet. Does that not should that not plant a question in maybe the board's mind or? Or Val's mind, you know. Yes, we've got Mao coming back in, but he can't be the, cre- the the creator, creator, you know, general on his own. Do West Brom need to add, you know, if they do add anyone, it's probably going to be on loan because that's what West Brom have been like in recent years. You know, we've obviously seen the seven million stumped up for DK. Do Albion have to go out there now in the last what are we two weeks of the window and try and add a bit more creativity to that front line? Try and add a bit more, you know, strength in depth almost to to help them in this, you know this part of the season to try and get out of this this rut that they're in really yeah I think so I look we know Val wants more additions we also know that it's going to be one in one out if he's going to get them basically he has to he has to load he has to get players out off the wage bill if he's going to bring anyone else in seven million pounds on Darrow DK is a massive deal he's the one player we really need like we really really needed they've sorted the priority that was the absolute essential Next on the list is has got to be a creative midfielder, a more creative midfielder. It's got to be, and I'm sure that's what Ishmael would want. The truth is, it's going to be difficult to find because if fit, Moa is going to play, but Albion needs some more balance in there. And there's still a long way to go in this season, and they can't. Personally, I don't think they can carry on with Livermore and Malumbi in there. If 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 Moa was to get injured or. I don't know, pick up another suspension or whatever. It's just, it needs more spark in there. Um, it's not going to come from Robert Snodgrass, by all accounts. He's fallen out of favour, so it needs someone else. Um, so that was that was just a real disappointment. That's, that's just, yeah, that was just 
that I found that that was the real frustrating thing for me from QPR was that midfield too really just just didn't think it worked. That's where Albion need more creativity. They need it from the wing backs. They need their forward players to to add to to bring more. They need them to bring more throughout the entire season. You think DK will? I genuinely believe DK will individually make a massive difference and collectively make a massive difference. I think he's going to bring the best out of everyone around him. So hopefully, he, he just as a rival goes some way to ticking that box. Um, but yeah, lots lots of areas to improve. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that, indeed. So moving, you know, that it's a nice caveat there on to um, onto January and the window. Joe, you know, obviously things have gone quiet since DK. We know it's one in, one out on the um, on the front of bringing players in. Has there been any names banded about in the in the last couple of weeks? No, not at all, mate. I mean, it's very much a case of of outgoings at the minute. Yeah, um, on outgoings. You talk of, you know, the talk's been of Jordan Hugo. There's been some developments over him about him in the. In the last week or so, I know Dean Smith at Norwich mentioned Hugel, obviously his parent club, and from what we're uh, led to believe, there's you know in loan deals there's usually a recall option, but there doesn't seem to be one with this one. What's the what's the latest that you know about the situation? So it's a very very confusing, very very confusing situation. So, um, Val was asked about John Hugel's situation. I asked him about a week ago. He was asked again after the QPR game. Um, what's the situation with John Hugel? And he effectively said that Hugel isn't. He is the words he used to describe him was John Hugel's now got a new situation. He's in a new situation. Um, let's have a look um, at Albion, and basically he's going to have to get used to it. Um, well, that new situation doesn't basically means he's not going to play because Hugel's only started seven games this season. Seven games, twelve twelve substitute appearances. So. He's not been a prolific starter by any means, so his new and he's obviously only going to start being involved less following the arrival of DK. So it's not looking great. Um, it's not looking great for John Hugel now. That we said, I think we said last week. There's no way in a million years. Well, would Norwich recall him? We don't know. So what has since emerged is, I thought, and I, I still think, if I'm honest, is standard practice that. The parent club has a recall on the player, a player they send out. No, I don't even think it was like a thing anymore. Like it just, you just that is in there. It automatically happens. Yeah, Um, because I don't see why any parent club wouldn't have it. Like there's just absolutely no reason for them not to have it. But bizarrely, Dean Smith was asked about Hugo at press conference last week. He said he was going to speak to him over the weekend. But in it, he said he didn't think there was a recall. Um, so, it's very odd. Um, very, very odd. Look, you can understand Norwich not wanting to recall him um, if he's not going to play because Albion will be paying a percentage of his wages and Norwich probably think, well, there's no point in us paying him X amount a week to not play. Might as well stay yeah. at West Brom and they can pay him half his wages or whatever. So you can understand it in that instance. But, yeah, the fact there's no recall is just really odd. Like, I don't, I don't really understand it. What the ideal situation for everyone is, Jordan Hugel goes back to Norwich and immediately goes out on loan to someone else. If someone else will have him, then you've got a player playing football. West Brom have got a player off their books they don't want. Norwich have got a player off their books they don't want. But he gets to play. Yeah, the fact that Swift didn't seem to think there was a recall is really, really odd. I, I don't mean, 
I don't know whether Albin and, and Norwich can negotiate one. I don't. I don't know how it works. I, Genuinely. Seems quite strange, you know. Certainly now, where you know Val said what he did after the QPR game, that you know Hugo might not feature it again now in an Albion shirt. Albion, a, you know, I don't want to be horrible to Jordan Hugo, but stuck with a player who's not got a recall option that they're having to pay the wages for. Who's, who's not going to? Who's not actually their player? Yeah. Who's not going to play? It's just weird. Just, like it's just yeah. weird. Like. It's just and it, it's just it's just so odd. Like when Albion, our Albion fans are desperate for like Harvey Barnes to stay. Obviously, he got he got recalled because there was a recall, as you would expect. And now yeah, we could have done without a recall option on that one. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now it's probably in everyone's best interest for Jordan Hugel to go back, and there isn't one. It's just it's very 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 odd. Um, but we're just going to see what what transpires. See what happens, see what happens. Well, the first half of the podcast has probably been quite negative, as we'd expect it to be. Um, but we're going to inject some positivity. You might get a few pelters from some Albion fans for putting some positive some positive vibes into the podcast, Joe. But just uh, just stepping away from QPR and transfers and Peterborough and Val, uh, you had a nice little trip out last night. It was quite cold for you, I imagine. The new box head can get quite cold in the winter. Um, but you were... Uh, on under twenty three duty, baggies against uh, baggies against Villa, and it, it sounded like a decent one, Joe. Uh, yeah, it's all right, mate. Let me just do one more thing, right? Because I haven't got a lot of positive things to say about last night, to be <laughs> honest. So I'll, I'll do something else positive. Um, so I can't talk about data anymore on this podcast. I talked about XG so much, and it's just everyone's sick of it. Like I'm sick of it using XG to defend. Your Valor. nickname is Mr. XG. Mr. Now, XG, yeah. and like everyone knows, everyone listening will know that. Albion are top of the XG tables and blah, 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 blah. And we've got a listener called Alan from Newport. And I know if I talk about XG, I can see him listening to this podcast and he'll throw his cup of tea in the window. Yeah, I can't do it to him. So we're not going to talk about XG anymore. Can't do it. The only thing, one comment I want to make on just on data is that all the data has shown for a long time now that Bournemouth are going to wobble. Right? And that has pretty much come true. I, I, I'm going to sit here now and say Fulham are gone. I just can't. It's only 25 games played. They've only played 25 games. They're still ahead of a long way to go. Like Anything could happen, really. But I think Fulham are going to be a Premier League side next season. They just score so many goals. Bournemouth, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And the data suggests you shouldn't be sure about them as well. So they're catchable. Bournemouth are catchable, Blackburn are catchable. Can QPR sustain this? Personally, I don't think so. Middlesbrough worry me. I think they've now probably got... Well, they've got an outstanding manager in Chris Wilder. They're, they're definitely building some momentum. They're a worry. Um, but look, Albion have won 2 in 10, right? They've won 2 in 10. Would Everyone listening to that would agree with me when I say, that's atrocious. That is not good enough. Having won 2 games in 10... They are seven points behind Bournemouth. Only seven points. And we've had Daryl DK for 31 minutes. I can't, I cannot believe our run is bad. And, and I don't think other teams have really capitalised on it. Bournemouth have lost three of the last five. Blackburn are on a great run. Can they sustain it? Mm, we'll see. They, I mean, it'd be, it'd be miraculous for Blackburn to maintain the form that, that they've... That, that they've produced. QPR, 1-3, lost two, lost five. Very, very hit and miss. Middlesbrough on a great run. Fair play to them. Um, come from a long way to catch up. But I, 
Can anyone really hand on heart say, if I, if I told you 10 games ago we were only going to win two of them, do you really think Bournemouth would only be seven points ahead of us? I don't, I don't think you would. I, would, I think you might even think that Fulham would be more than nine ahead. It's, they're catchable still. They're catchable still. We just need this. We just need... We need a win. There was a couple of... I've been speaking about this a lot with Joe Chapman at the Birmingham, like in the Birmingham Mail. A couple of years ago under Slavon Bilic, in the season we went up, Albion had a real sort of sticky patch around sort of Christmas, um, mid-December. They had a really good run after that, didn't they? And um, I, missed, I missed it completely. My little boy had just been born and it just coincided with the fact that I was off work for about a month. Um, and, but they had a dreadful run. And then there was a game against Luton at the Hawthorns where everyone knew that was a big game. Everyone knew that that was the game that basically it had to turn. And that game is starting to feel like the Peterborough game now. It feels like Peterborough is like must win. Not because... Bit of deja issue. vu. Yeah, it's not must win because Valerian Ishmael's future depends on it because I don't think it does. I, don't, I think that's... But it's must win in terms of like... These players need a lift. These players need to start getting their confidence back. These players need to win a game. They need to, they need to win a game of football. They need to come in on Monday morning with their tails up, with their confidence boosted, with some goals in their back pocket. Like they need, they need a boost. And it feels like Peterborough has to be that game for us. And if it is, Albion went on from that looting game, putting some fantastic performances against Millwall, against Bristol City. They kicked I actually on. had a look at this the other day. I think they lost one in nine after that. And then... Obviously, we got to the pandemic then, didn't we? And it all just yeah, and that all was just a, dropped off and yeah, struggled yeah. to recreate it, didn't they? But yeah, after it was, it's interesting that you mentioned that because yeah, I was looking through the stats the other day, and you know there is similarities, isn't there, between that run and this run? Yeah, massive. I think just in terms of how like the fight, the you need a, you need to flip it. You need a point in time that flips it, and everyone no one's naive enough to think you can blow through the championship to think that for 46 games you can be remarkably consistent look we're not saying Albion have been inconsistent the last few weeks we're not saying they're having a bit of a sticky patch they're not it goes way beyond that two wins in ten is not good enough but football is about confidence it is about flipping things it is about if you can get get just get that win on the board and then build from there and I just think there's still potential in this team based on the fact that how solid they are defensively and the fact that Daryl DK is there so Albion need a bit of a hero. Like there's, there's a lot of talk about players on. There's a lot of players. There's no, there's no one. There's no like hero in the team. There's no one to adore. There's no one like. There's no player that really connects with fans. Like there's a lot of talk about stuff like that. And there's no Pereira. There's no one you, you like. You can really sort of hang your hat on and you're desperate to, to to see every week. But DK can be that man. I think. Um, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on this 21 year old. It's incredible, but. It feels like he's special. It feels like he's going to be the missing piece in the jigsaw. It feels like he's going to have a big impact. Um, so let's just let's just hopefully beat Peterborough, and that can hopefully Peterborough's going to be the Luton, and from there they kick on because that's what they need to do. That's my positive B. That's my positivity. That's what I like about you, Joe. You're always finding the positive, aren't you? Always no one's on positivity Albion. about Albion and twenty threes, do you? <laughs> But yeah, Albion beat uh, beat Villa on the, on Tuesday night. Impressed by any of the youngsters, Joe? It was uh, it was Big Ken who got the first goal. Um, but um, but yeah, went over over Villa after uh, we all know about Villa's sort of raid of Albion's youngsters in recent years. It must have been nice for Albion to get a win. But any um, any standout players for yourself? So here's your big positive moment. I watched that game and I thought, wow, 
these players are miles off it. <laughs> Absolutely miles off it. I'm sorry to say. So it, it was just, I enjoyed the game. Um, it was very, very under 23s football for me. It was, it was sweet for Albion um, in terms of, look, five players in the Villa team were poached from Albion. Um, have been poached from Albion over the years. Obviously, Louis Barry, probably the most famous. Tim Robenham looked good, to be fair, he did, in central midfield. He probably didn't have his best game, but you could tell he, he's got a bit of class. I think it's a real shame he didn't stay um, at the Hawthorns, to be honest. I think he could have played a decent part this year. Um, disappointing for me was Reyes Cleary. Um, and being, I was told that, basically, in his last outing against Southampton, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, he had a poor game... Last night, I've got to be honest, he's really struggled when he came on to replace Sahor. The standout player for me was probably Caleb Taylor. Um, so that probably shouldn't come as a surprise to a lot of people based on the fact that he was is the player that's been on the bench the most this season. Um, he looked steady, he looked assured, he looked switched on, he looked... Yeah, I like him. Everyone else to me looked very, very, very young. Um... And I was speaking to people at the game and they sort of said, all oh, right, like, you sort of see it. When you go to these games, you you see it. Look, Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, he covers the under-23s extensively. He sees them a hell of a lot more than I do. He might tell you something different. But for me, I didn't come away from that game thinking, you've got to throw one of those lads in at the weekend. Um, Albion won. They put in a good performance. It was a very, very open game. It could have finished 4-4. Um, it, was, it was crazy. Like, both teams had... Really, really good chances. Um, but yeah, for me, there's a. I've said it so many times on this podcast, but I think the gap's massive. I'm glad massive. you dropped a bit of positivity in before that because I was expecting a bit more from you. I know you were. That's why I sort of had to reel it, reel it in and, uh, and uh, good bring it back on to your the. Feet. I like it. I like it. Yeah, because it was, it was good. It was entertaining. Look, I wouldn't. I, look, there's some good players in the under 23s. There's the, the left back, the left wing back, a lad called Shaw. Um, only 18 I thought he was good um, he looks like he could have a real chance there's a try list I don't know his name but he was good um, apparently he was only 18 as well um, yeah there's a lot a lot, lot, lot of potential there but I, I, didn't, I didn't really see anyone last night who I would expect to make an impact this season that's not to say that look Tom Fellows looks like he's got a hell of a lot of potential and could have a very good career Reyes Cleary obviously has got some magic about him Caleb Taylor in and around the first team, but I think I gotta be honest, I didn't come away from last night thinking any of them were knocking on the door. Um I think the gap is quite substantial. Sorry to burst your positive bubble. I don't like bursting positive bubbles, but I gotta be honest, mate. No, I've got to tell the truth. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sanwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place. Or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk.
uk well you know you've replaced it with a little bit of positivity before then so that you know hats off for you for for doing that um Right, let's go to, let's go to <laughs> questions. Let's go to questions because we've got so many. I feel bad. Like, normally it's me trying to lift the mood, but you're really trying, bless you. <laughs> we'll go to questions. This certainly ain't going to lift the mood because I've looked for all the these questions. Either, oh, crikey. Enough to make you sweat some of these questions today. Albion fans are proper going at it. But, um, you know, as expected, as we said, the run's been rotten, so we can't... Uh, we can't uh, expect anything less. We'll start with the first one. Um, pretty to the point. Ryan P. Glasgow. Um, thanks for your question, Ryan. Uh, if we fail to beat Peterborough, do you think Val's gone? No, I don't. No, um, not at all. Um, I think I think he's got. I, I don't. I think you've got. Ken wanted a long-term plan when he appointed Val. I think they believe that when you look at the data, um, that things are going to turn. I think they they can turn. I think DK is going to be massive to them turning. I don't think you sign someone, give give a manager seven million pounds to get rid of him two weeks later. So personally, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. No. Um, and I think, yeah. And I truly believe we will win on Saturday. Just roll it into another question from uh, Nathan Aldridge, just on the same sort of lines, not as a not as cutthroat as Ryan's question, but you know, do you think there is pressure? Obviously, there's pressure on Val from the fact, from a section of supporters, Joe. Do you think pressure's building from within the club at all? It's like, it's like this one's like, like this isn't me copping out, but it's like it's me sort of admitting, if you like, that it's impossible to know. So, yeah. like everything I hear is no. So everything I hear is no. So I, I mean that, and that they're in for the long haul, and that Ishmael will get a couple more transfer windows or whatever to really get the team he wants, and and this is very much a long term plan, a long term vision, try and connect everything together. Um, and I, I got absolutely like, who's going to make this decision? Like, who, 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 who does the, like, who hires, who fires? We don't really know. It's Ken. It's Lai. It's there's no technical director. Um, so unless anyone has got a direct line to those people, I don't, and I haven't. Like, I don't, I don't see how um, anyone can sort of know what's going on because it's such a small group of people at the top. Um, and obviously, Lai spends ninety nine percent of his time in China. So, uh, but for everything I hear, is he's very. This is very much a long term plan. And look, they're 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 having a bad time. There's no doubt about it. But they're all giving everything they can to turn it round. Yeah, there's another one from Baggy Blue. You know, this is another one that is hard to answer. But I suppose if you can give an opinion on it. You know, how how long do you think he will? Obviously, it's the more Albion go on on a bad run. The more difficult it becomes, I suppose, doesn't it? But how, how long? What Baggy Blues asking? How long do you think Val's got? To, you know, to turn this around. And he's mentioned attendances. I know. I think people have got so hung up on the FA Cup attendance, haven't they, in the last few weeks? You know, and quite rightly, we talked about it, and we talked about it, didn't we, on the way down to um, on the way down to London the other day. But what he's asking is, you know, do you think lower if attendances keep getting lower? Do you think that's going to affect anything? I think attendance, uh, well, that's like that. That will massively affect it. So, I think the, I think the FA Cup thing has, has obviously had an impact, but attendances have been dwindling a little bit anyway. Whole host of reasons for that, I think. Um, but, but yeah, that that will ultimately be a factor. I've said I said right at the start of this podcast. Look, Val needs to, Albion needs to be more entertain, slightly more entertaining. Like at the end of the day, fans will be, the vast majority of fans will be happy if to see their team win. And what also people have got to remember is 
Valble can be very entertaining. The first six games, five, six games this season, it wasn't entertaining. The QPR game is entertaining. There's been other times this season where it's been entertaining. One example, Derby at home. First half atrocious, second half really entertaining but didn't get the goal. Could have been about six in the second half. It's not it? done the right way. Valuable can be entertaining. It can be watchable. It certainly can be entertaining enough that if you're winning, the majority of fans will accept it. So, and we've said so many times before, it's not when the goal goes in. It's not just the it's not just the, it's not just the numbers on the scoreboard that change. The whole game changes. It will. They do become more open. They do become more entertaining. Uh, but look, attendance is ultimately det- will determine a manager's fate. Like it, that is that that is like the no matter who you are, like that is the absolute like barometer. If if thousands and thousands of people decide they're not going to start heading to the Hawthorns every week, then Albion have got the biggest problem they've ever had, really, because once you start losing people, it's very hard to get them back. So, I mean, they are a business. that We don't like looking at them as a business, but they are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, attendance will, will, have, a, will have a big say. Um, but I don't think we're anywhere near that. Like, I don't think we're, like... I do think there's like this social media like culture where everyone's incredibly angry, but everyone's incredibly angry for such a short amount of time. Like, like I said earlier, like I think it's not, it's, it isn't, a, this isn't a Mick McCarthy situation. This isn't, we haven't had a chance for Val out or anything like that again, as far as I'm aware. Um, it's not, we haven't, it just hasn't been like, when that, when we were in that Cardiff game, the anger towards Mick McCarthy inside the stadium was like, you could just feel it. It went, it went through everyone. Like they, Cardiff fans did not want him to be their manager. I get it that fans are angry with results, but I don't. But I think they're like angry in terms of when you go on social media, you, you have to say something, you have to make a point, you have to be loud. Otherwise, no one says mundane things on social media because if you do, you don't get any kickback, you don't get any likes, retweets, clicks, whatever. And I think everyone is swept up a bit. Everyone has to be so strong in their viewpoint. But it's like, it's like, um, it's like throwaway culture almost. It's like the the mood changes so quickly. So I just think I just think there's a hell of a lot of people who are saying probably saying Val out who will be saying, all right, we'll give him a couple more games. If if he wins three in a row, they'll be saying, oh well, we'll give him a couple more games and we'll see if he can turn it. I don't. The anger I felt for Mick McCarthy that day is not the anger I'm feeling for Val. I just think fans are very, very angry at the results and 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 performances. Some performances have been massively underwhelming, but Ishmael will be the first. Ishmael knows that, like he knows that they've not been good enough, particularly in the final third. He knows they've not been creative enough, and the hope is that going forward, Daryl DK will make a big difference. And when he gets his players back, when he gets Melbourne back, when he gets Sam Johnston back, when he gets, then they'll make a big difference as well. Mentioned about tennis, Baggy Blue said he uh, he's decided not to go anymore. He can't justify paying to watch this anymore, which is uh, which is up to him. Uh, just moving away from that, the Thursday throstle. Um, just a question about Callum Morton. Um, it's an interesting posh want to buy him in the summer, um, but he wants to use them as a stepping stone to getting into Albion's first team. Um, he's asking how do you see it see it playing out, Joe? Um, the Thursday throstle hopes potentially Morton might be a backup to DK next season. How, how do you see things playing out? So we mentioned it, didn't we? Walking to the ground, it's interesting. Peterborough have come out saying they want to sign him in the summer, but then Morton and, and Albion have said to the contrary, really. He's just a very, very interesting player, Callum Morton. Um, I like him. I like his character. I like, I've spoken to him 
a while ago. I can't remember where, where he was on loan at the time. But he's 21. He's only 21, which is obviously the same age as Daryl DK. So still, still very young. Um, but what I like about him is he's everywhere he's been, he's stepped up. So he, 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 and that's why I think it's it's good for his. It's good for him to go on loan this time. But going on loan is quite an interesting thing for a striker for a minute at Albion. Like, he's gone on loan. He's a central striker that has gone on loan to another championship club. That's quite a big deal because we have struggled for a central striker all season. Um, and now we've got one playing for another championship club. So that's quite, I think that's quite interesting. Um, but the reason why I think it's good for him and for Albion to send him out is, is the way he's progressed at every single loan. So he's gone to Braintree, National League, played there, gone into League 2, done really, really well with Northampton, gone into League 1, did okay with Lincoln, got um, hit by a few injuries, Fleetwood this season. He's only scored four league goals. Uh, he's got seven in total for Fleetwood, but he's only scored four uh, league goals. Um, but he's one of them players where he's never going to give you... He's never going to... Almost never... If you're doing... He's never going to give you less than six out of ten. Ever. Because he works so hard. Um, he really, really does work hard. Um, and you'd like to think that he would suit Val in a way because of, of the intensity he plays at and, the, and his willingness to press. Um he works his socks off, and and he and he surely can score goals. So he said something really interesting in the um, in the Peterborough um, interview. Is he, he didn't he, he sort of hinted that his last couple of loans. He said at Northampton the team was set basically set up for him to get goals, but he sort of hinted that in at Lincoln and Fleetwood they weren't. But he sort of said that Peterborough are again. So he, he's he's expecting to go to Peterborough and score goals. So it's gonna. I think it's the right thing for him to go out on loan to the championship um, and to see if he can adapt like he has when he stepped up from every other loan. It's going to be really interesting to watch him go, I think. And something slightly interesting about him going to Peterborough, so they have a good record at signing strikers um, over the years. And Darren McCantley did say, he did tweet that he was sort of confident he can sign Morton on a permanent basis in the summer. He's got a long-term deal at Albion. He's contracted for a couple more years. So, and But Morton did say his aim is to come back to, to Albion. And Ishmael did say that he's going to be watching him very closely. So, yeah, I think we're all going to have a bit of a an eye on him for the second half of the season. It's going to be really interesting to see how he gets on. Yeah, I always admire a player who wears his socks rolled down, like the old-fashioned... 70s and 80s footballers as well. He's got a bit of that about him, Morton, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a good um, lad, he is. Yeah, interesting to keep an eye on. Um, another difficult one here from Sunil Patel. Um, quite a few a few questions in this. In your honest opinion, have you seen anything that suggests that Val um, will stay long-term? Uh, Sunil's looked at tactics, um, saying the football's ugly and the crowds are plummeting. And he's asked what the, you know what has improved under Albion since Val has been... Have been in charge. What do you, you know, if the long-term strategy we mentioned there, didn't you? Didn't you, Joe? When he was appointed, Albion had a long-term vision. Um, do you think that vision will Val will be allowed to to see that vision through? It will be it'll be allowed based on how successfully it's been. Like it's like I think that, that that's what that's what Albion want to do. Like they want that long-term plan. They've chopped and changed managers too much. Everyone knows that. Um, it's just there's been no consistency whatsoever, and it's it's led to a disjointed squad now. 
they need they need some consistency in terms of who's going to be manager. I think everyone agrees with that. Like everyone wants a long term plan. It's just you've got to get the right manager in for that long term plan. Um, I, I look. I genuinely believe they they're going to give him a chance. Yeah, I genuinely believe they're going to give him a chance to see it through. Um, over the next, uh, yeah, I just don't think they will. I think I don't. I don't think he's under the sort of reams of pressure as we speak now. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're asking me to say that I haven't said before, mate, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they are sort of similar questions. Um, Joe Beddoe's saying, do you think finishing the playoffs is a successful season, considering where we are in the league at the moment? No. Um, I think... I think, you know... I think you've always got... I think the, low, I think the lowest acceptable finish is fourth. I've said that before. Um, and... Even then, you should only be finishing fourth, like a maximum of like four or five points behind second. People have got to accept, and this is the weirdest thing. This is a, such a strange thing in football that no one seems to believe is that opposition teams are trying to beat you. So, like, I think like people don't accept, really take on board that when Peterborough come on Saturday. From basically from I don't know eight a.m. on Monday morning till two five to three on Saturday, all Peterborough have been doing is trying to work out a way to get a result at the Hawthorns. Like I don't think people realise just how different. So you can't just ex- we can't just expect to win games. We can't just expect to finish where we're going to finish. Fulham are going to give it a damn good go. Bournemouth are going to give it a damn good go, and they might be. Like someone might be better than us, like at the end of it, you might fall the wrong side of the line. So if you, if Fulham win the league on a hundred points and Bournemouth finish second on ninety nine points and we finish third on ninety eight points, it's rubbish because we'll end up in the playoffs. But sometimes you just gotta go. Do you know what? Like it's, it was real. Like we've given it a good go. We've just fallen the wrong side. Like Dave spent a lot of money. We've obviously spent a bit of money now as well. They've got good players. It's just fallen that way. But there's no excuse for Albion not to be competing for automatic promotion this season. There's just no excuse for it. I don't care what anyone says. The league's rubbish. I've said it so many times. Like, the league's rubbish. It's rubbish. Like, I, don't, I haven't looked at the table last from last season. But where were, where were QPR last season, really? Let's have a look. What would it have been? Championship table... Uh, 20 what would it be I'm completely blank because we're recording I can't imagine they'd have been anywhere near the top 2020 2021 so QPR QPR finished 9th last season QPR finished 9th Middlesbrough finished 10th and Blackburn finished 15th so the gap can't be that big like it just can't those teams can't just suddenly be better than us like it's just that's too that's too big a fall from grace like, there's no. We should be finishing above QPR, Middlesbrough, and Blackburn this season. We should be. Like, it's too big a gap to be behind them. All right, we might not. Like, Bournemouth have got parachute payments. Second year in the Championship. Fulham, come down with us. I've got, a, like, basically a striker who's world class in the Championship, but not very good in the Premier League. So. But there's just no excuse not to be competing with them. There's just no excuse. 
Um, frankly, there's still like 20 games to go and seven points with Bournemouth is absolutely nothing. Um, so just still do it. But look, I don't think, I think everyone knows that. Everyone knows that they've got to be competing, they've got to be competing for my promotion. If they finish third, might be unlucky, okay. If they finish fourth, that's a bit of a, mm, okay. Fifth, sixth, it's not great, I don't think, in my opinion. Seventh, eighth, disaster. <laughs> disaster. Yeah, yeah, I think you're. Uh, I think you're right. Got, I'm just going to finish off with one more question because we're getting towards the end now. We've got to talk about Peterborough. We've had a lot of questions, which are a lot of them are sort of similar, similar answers. So I hope a lot of what Joe said in the last twenty minutes has answered your questions. But Cooksey eighty nine, um, if you could have three WBA footballers slash managers, past or present, round for dinner, <laughs> who would they be and why? Now I'm going to put this one onto you first, Joe, um, from your sort of time covering Albion now I know you speak very highly of certain people who've been at Albion um, who would you have who would you have round for uh, for dinner at the Masseys so just okay just on my time covering Albion yeah well I'm gonna my first one's gonna be Bomber Brown because I just told you before we did this podcast I've been on the phone to him for 50 minutes and it is the highlight of my week by a long long way he's just he's honestly a thoroughly nice chap he's just a ridiculously gracious man and he's actually a legend like an actual legend who is so lovely. He's a very special person. Um, so he, he, he'd come just because I'd just look at him and just listen to him and it'd be ace. Um, you've got to have Slavin, if I'm honest. I knew you were going to go for Slavin. You've got to have Slavin <laughs> because he just, it, him and Bomber telling stories would just be amazing. Um, and then, oh, the third one, I don't know. Um, maybe a bit of an intellectual chat from Adam Reach like you were talking about I do before. like Adam Reach but yeah it's a big leap to get on this table uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it'd be crazy in Ghana yeah I just want to know him I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous but I just want to know him I just want to be his friend I generally want to be Grady in Ghana's friend and like help him become the player he should be I just want him to be that player again I think that would be an interesting conversation around that table certainly be some uh, good stories anyway wouldn't they go on then who's your three probably go with Bomber as well just because of his stature and just knowing how much of a nice guy he was um, past and present I probably have this is stemming from just knowing what he's like and our conversation before QPR the other day, I'll probably have Andy Johnson as well just for the laugh oh mate he's yeah he's... it'd just be just just him just telling stories just making you laugh for like the duration of your dinner party it'd just be hilarious wouldn't he it he is absolutely I mean he's, he's absolutely he's mad as a box he? of frogs yeah but yeah. he is he is he is there's no doubt about it he's a very funny man yeah and then the other one I'd have would either be my favourite West Brom player of all time Jason Kumas just because he's a massive enigma and no one knows anything about him um, you know, sort of fallen off the face of the earth since he stopped playing football, and just because he was so class. Or I'd probably have we'd go going past or present. I'd probably go so someone like Cyril Regis or Laurie Cunningham, just because of what they did for the game, and just how interesting they would be as characters. I think. So yeah, I think if you got Kumas or Regis Johnson and Brown, I think you'd just be laughing. You'd just be laughing and intently listening for the whole time, wouldn't you? Just taking all the stories in. Yeah. Um, Good list, mate. 
There you go. Good, good. Let's finish on a positive note on that one. On that one, after some uh, some good questions, as always. Thanks for your questions. Um, Joe will laugh at this, and as always, sorry we couldn't answer all no, your questions just because we got so many. Um, but yeah, final part of the pod. We'll just wrap this up in a couple of minutes, Peter. But we've we've spoken about Peter, haven't we, Joe? You know how how big it is. I think if you'd have said back in August when, or or in the summer when Val was appointed, if you'd said posh at home would be up there with potentially one of the most important games of the season, you'd probably have wet yourself laughing, wouldn't you? But but with the way things gone, this I think I said before QPR, it's a huge huge game for Albion. I think Peter is a huge 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 game potentially. Some might see it as we've ramped it up a notch. Um, yeah, huge, huge, huge. It's going to be a bit spiky because um, old Val and Darren Ferguson didn't really get on, did they? Um, they didn't. At London Road early in the season. I think I think Peterborough are going to be massively fired up for this game. Partly, I think Darren Ferguson will be fired up for it. I don't think... Um, yeah, he wasn't pleased with the way Ishmael sort of charged down um, the touchline celebrating that last-minute Shemi Ajayi goal. I think Peterborough's players will be up for it based on the fact that they deserved a point that day, um, if we're being honest. Like they, they really, really frustrated Albion. They were the first team to sort of say to Albion, go on, then you have the ball, and let's see what you can do with it. Yeah. Um, and Albion struggled. Um, and they put a shift in, Peter, but they played well that day. Um, they were very, very, very unlucky to lose the game. So I think Ferguson will be fired up. I think Peter's players will be fired up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. But the facts speak for themselves. They've won two and eleven, which is actually similar to us. <laughs> yeah. One of those wins did come in the FA Cup against Bristol Rovers. Um, I mean, that says everything you need to know about Albion's form. It's the same as Peterborough's. I mean, that's. I mean, Peterborough have lost more games um, in that spell, but Albion have won as many games as Peterborough in the last eleven, yeah. which is. Doesn't look good, does it? That is alarming. Um, but look, I think they'll be fired up for it. They've got nothing to lose, really. Um, I mean, it's a free hit, isn't it? Like, they, if they come away with a point, they're absolutely over the moon. So, but, and they got, look, they're, at the end of the day, they're a championship side. They've got some threats. Um, up, two up front, Dembele, Clark Harris. Johnson Clark Harris been linked with a fair few times. I don't think there's ever been anything interest in that, any interest in that, but um, he's been linked a few times. Quick, very, very quick. Um, both of them, particularly Johnson Clark Harris, he is absolutely rapid. Um, so now being played with a high line, I'm sure that's something Peter Brawler to exploit. George Grant, midfielder, creative, good player. Um, watched him play for Luton a lot in League One. He's very, very good. Um, but you're probably getting the feeling with Peterborough if we're being brut- if we're being brutally honest, they've got a lot of players like that who are very good for League One, probably not quite good enough for this level. So yeah, the the top scorer's got five goals, it's not a lot. They're struggling for goals all season, they're conceding goals. Um This is there's just Albion have to win this game, it's just they have to win. <laughs> They have to win, and if they don't, I just don't want to do. I didn't want to do this week's podcast, to be honest. <laughs> but if they don't do, if they don't do, it's in your contract. If, uh, sorry, it's in your contract. It's in my contract. Every Tuesday, one o'clock. Um. Uh, yeah, if they don't win, it just yeah, it's going to be awful. But they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. In answer to your next question, Daryl DK is going to start. He's going to play for sixty minutes, I think, and he'll score. And I'll be in a win. You've got a 3 0. I'll be one better than. 
got to you've got to back Luke. that now. Should I back that DK? You've got 3-0. A DK to score first. DK score any time. Alvin Sutton three 0 Yeah. That's the result on Saturday, and this is going to be our Luton. Peter Bratt is going to be Val's Luton. We'll hold you to that. And if ever, all the Albion fans back this now, listening to this, and it doesn't come in, they're coming for you. Yeah, don't tell them my address because you know it now. <laughs> um, just, obviously, the other change is probably going to be defensively, aren't they, Joe? We're probably going to be a bit... I know they played all right defensively, didn't they? Even though they were sort of makeshift. Um, but it's going to be looking a bit more like an Albion back three um, this weekend, isn't it? More than a, more of a actual defenders and defenders positions. Yeah, and that's important, really. I think I've been a bit not never I've never never come across a Cedric Kipper's biggest fan. He does he does give me he does make me nervous. That he does make me nervous, Cedric Kipper. But I think he he could be important against Peterborough because he is decent on the ball. Um, he can spot those passes. Um, so hopefully he'll be back in the team. Carbali we expect to be back in the team anyway. Um, he should be fit. So that'll be the back three you'd imagine: Kipra, Clark, Bartley. Still going to be battling goal, but I think Batten's done well. Um, got no qualms in playing really at all. Um, I think you've got to bring Conor Townsend back to left wing. But look, Conor Townsend started the season on fire. He's he's a very good player, a very consistent player, but he's dipped. He's he's dipped. Um, but he's the best crosser of the ball at the club, in my opinion. And now we need to they need him now. We lose. I think we just lose a bit too much from it when when he doesn't play at left wing yeah. back. So. Hopefully he'll come back in there. I like Adam Reach, but for me, Adam Reach is the understudy. Um, it's Connor Townsend. The midfield too worries me. I, I, I hope it's not Livermore and Malumbi again. Got nothing again. More than happy for either one of them to start in that slightly more defensive role. I think they're both good players in that role. But it needs some more creativity in there. So I'd go Livermore, Taylor, Gardner, Hickman. Um, so you then go Furlong back to right wing back. And then I think I think he'll play, in my opinion, what Val thinks is his strongest front three, um, which I think will be Matt Phillips on the right, DK through the middle, and Grant on the left. And I don't think that would be a bad thing, really. I think um, I think Callum could maybe do a little spell out the side, a sort of a spell on the bench, maybe because he just he looks off it at the minute for me. Not bringing much to the party, is he? And and just finally, you know, we've said that you've backed a. DK anytime three nil baggies. Um, Have you looked at the odds? I haven't yet. No, oh, disappointing. Uh, but realistically, you know, a scrappy one nil win just to get a goal and just to get a win, you know, would be a springboard, wouldn't it? Or, or, or at least something to to turn turn the tide. It, it would, but what we or does want? there need to be more? Do, does there it need to be more convincing? I think there needs to be more. To be honest, like I think I think what we want is. We want a performance on Saturday that means that on Monday, Albion's players are bouncing into training. If everyone, if everyone's brutally honest with themselves, we all, after a game of football, we're all pretty much the same. We're, after a loss, we're like, oh no, it's doom and gloom, looking over our shoulders, like, negative. After a win, whether it's Peterborough or not, we're looking up. You'll be looking at if we win on Saturday, the first thing everyone's going to do is look how many points we are behind Bournemouth at the end of the game. They're not going to be looking at who's chasing us in eighth or seventh yeah. or where Middlesbrough are. That's just that's just human instinct, nat- the natural order of events when it comes to football. So look, we need a win, but I think we need it. Like I do think we need it. So 
We've got a spring in our step. We need lifting. I think we need lifting. Um, and if we score from... If we win 1-0, look, everyone will take it because it's three points at the end of the day. But if we win 1-0 from the second phase of a corner where we scuffle in the bottom corner, like it's just... I think... Is, everyone, is anyone going to really be lifted from that? I don't know if they are. Like, we, we need to be bouncing into training on Monday. And, and Peterborough gives us an opportunity to do it, I think. Um, they're very, very beatable. Luton, we swept aside that day and went on a and boosted our confidence. And I think that's what we need to do against Peterborough. We don't want to stutter past them. We want to beat them um, and beat them well. Um, and, we, and we should, really. Well, yeah, it, Baggies fans. It's been a it's been a bit of a negative week, hasn't it? Um, as you know, Big Val's men continue their outsorts form and and a slip towards the edge of the playoffs. But things need to turn. Hopefully, they will on Saturday. Hopefully, like Joe says, the Baggies players will be bouncing into training on Monday, and me and Joe will be bouncing into this podcast recording on Tuesday. Um, and he'll you know, and the mood will be better. One one final note. Um, I know we mentioned last week about the. Uh, as me and Joe have been talking about the sort of puns that I've been trying to interject <laughs> at the end of my videos. No, no, I'm not again. fishing now because after last week, I I thought you know Baggy's fans would send the odd one in, but after your sort of finishing note to tell them not to, <laughs> not a single one came in. So it does show that West Brom fans do listen to Joe Massey. There you go, mate. There you, there go. you go. got a great pun work, though. I love it. I know. Yeah, it was a bit a bit off, a bit difficult on Saturday, but hopefully. You know, there's going to be a few in there, a few posh ones maybe, you never know, do you? Posh is um, too obvious. Yeah, it is too I, obvious. I expect more yeah. from you, like, I do. Yeah, we'll you have to get a bit bar, more. Like... You don't want to go too far, do you, where you use one and everyone's like, what's he on about? doesn't even make sense. Well, that's your job now, isn't it? Too complicated. Balance, we'll try and strike a balance. Hopefully it'll be a positive one anyway on Saturday and hopefully it's a three points at the Hawthorne. So anyway, thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of Baggy's Broadcast. We'll be back next week and hopefully we'll be celebrating a Baggy's win. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye.